The Lead Story is proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes, insight, advice, impact. Late last year, we spoke quite a bit about NAMAF's decision to leave tariffs unchanged for 2024 and to carry on that conversation. Today, I have the president of the Anesthesiologists Society of Namibia, almost, almost tripped over that one, uh, Dr. Jesse Mumba, and specialist anesthetist Dr. Miandra Yordan. Welcome to the Business Report. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Yeah. So before we get into the meat of the interview, what exactly is the Anesthesiologist Society of Namibia and what is it that you do? So the Anesthesiologist Society of Namibia was uh, founded in 2018, uh, the November of 2018. And uh, it really stemmed out of the fact that we all belonged to other international societies and we thought that... Uh, it was relevant that the number of anesthetists were growing, that we should have our own. Um, basically, we are a non-profit organization registered with BIPA, and uh, our role is uh, dedicated to advancing the field of anesthesia, promoting excellence in patient care, and um, obviously we also do answer to consultation from other stakeholders like the Health Professions Council of Namibia. We also uh, consult with the Ministry of Health when they've got um, something that they would like our input. And obviously with uh, NAMAF, uh, we've also done consultation on various um, issues. Okay, so an, an industry forum of sorts where you can all meet together and, and discuss common concerns or common goals. Basically, yes. And uh, on top of that, we we want to advance a continuous medical profession. So in that regard, we have annual events. Sometimes um, we also hold weekly events where we look at continuous professional development, uh, which are usually accredited by the Health Professions Council for um, further accreditation as okay. a specialist or doctor working in anesthesia. And does a doctor working in anesthesia have to belong to the, the forum, the society? It's not compulsory, but very much advisable to be part of the society. Um, there, there are a couple of reasons why one would want to belong, um, especially when it comes to international congresses, international courses. Uh, most of the courses are now asking for a local society to endorse that candidate who wants to further their education. Mm. The membership is voluntary and... Um, we don't police anyone that does anesthesia to belong to us, but we encourage everyone to be part of the society. Okay, great. Uh, so to the body of, of today's interview, the reason that I'm speaking to the two of you, uh, the ASN issued a press release, uh, which we published on our website, uh, explaining that medical aids have decreased the benefit payable for in-hospital procedures by 33% over the last 12 months. Uh, and you're saying that'll result in a co-payment of between 25 to 33% of the anesthesia account for patients. Maybe just explain the whole procedure for us. Yeah, how do medical professionals go about setting their rates? Why don't they match what the medical aides are prepared to pay? Yes, David, this is quite a loaded question. Um, so it will come with a bit of a backstory. Um, so we as medical professionals are bound by what is called a NAMAF benchmark tariff. Um, and this benchmark tariff is set for certain med medical services that are rendered or certain items that are sold. Um, these tariffs are then set annually. Um, in the past, these tariffs would increase by inflation. 
every year. And the medical aid funds then consequently use these benchmark tariffs to set what they will deem their membership benefits, the payout at Mm. the end of the day. So the trick comes in that in the early 2000s, NAMAF, who is actually a regulator of medical aid funds, not practitioners, Mm. funds, they adopted a certain set of benchmarks from South Africa. And they tailored those benchmarks to our Namibian market. Um, And consequently, since then, they have continued to set these benchmark tariffs um, on an annual basis. However, the catch is that this action of them was very naughty because it falls outside the scope of their um, statutory powers. Okay. So they were, in, in essence, acting unconstitutionally and unlawfully. And this action of theirs has been scrutinized multiple times. Um, for example, none of themselves have sought um, or sought a legal opinion in 2018. Um, and senior counsel has advised them that they are indeed um, practicing without, well, beyond the scopes hmm. of their powers. Then in 2014, four years prior to that, uh, an independent South African firm of healthcare um, costing experts okay. um, called Healthman uh, did a, they conducted a study to actually assess, amongst other things, these number of benchmark tariffs. Um, and the study was published in 2014, um, and it was found that the methodology employed by NAMAF to set certain or set tariffs, who, as you will know, unilaterally sets benchmark mm-hmm. tariffs in Namibia, is, and I'm going to quote, irrational and has no science behind it and is not cost-based. Mm. So that is where our benchmark tariffs are derived. Mm. Um and shortly, NAMAV responded to the study published in 2014 um, by conveniently locking um, public access to these tariffs. So <laughs> um, neither member nor trustee, neither does the, the registrar of medical aid funds, NAMFISA, have access to these benchmark tariffs. So where we derive our tariffs from, David, I cannot tell you. Accurately, in a, in a nutshell. Yeah, because I mean, I was going to ask yeah. whether there's consultation, you know, no. whether the medical aids and the not doctors sit together or, or the societies and no, so, no consultation. Not at all. And that is actually where the frustration stems from. So just to then finish my answer is what the medical funds, the aids then do, which they are financial service providers. They then get advised by NAMA of what these benchmark tariffs mm-hmm. are. And based on the study, they found that these tariffs are not they did not um, uh, consider what necessarily the costs in, are incurred with rendering certain services. Mm. So what they then did is they came up with, uh, based on their advisory panels, with what is called the NAMAF tariff, 100% plus 125, which we have then consequently adopted as NAMAF to 25%, okay. just to remunerate the mm. practitioner, the facility, for whatever costs are incurred in rendering said service. So in the recent few years, what has happened is there's been um, um, uh, excessive expenditure of medical aid fund benefits, um, multiple, it, this is a multi-tiered mm. problem. It's not not just the medical practitioners, it's a uh, um, it's like I said, it's multifactorial, but in essence, these funds are now bringing depletion. Okay. So that's when Amfisa came in and they said, to be operational, you have to um, um, have 
25% of your percent of your reserve fund still available. Okay. And that's where they started cutting benefits. Uh-huh. Um, however, the frustration is that, and that's in, in order to save costs. Um, the frustration is that they didn't cut percentage-wise equally across the board. Okay. And that's where we became quite susceptible targets mm. because 100% of our work is hospital-based and they have cut hospital-based specialists' fees by a third. Sure. So not that my service costs you more. Mm-hmm. Uh, an anesthetic service for an appendectomy, uh, for a hysterectomy, etc. It's the same price given the time the mm-hmm. variable. It is the benefits that... Um, the medical aid is committed to pay out has decreased. Okay. So it, it's not the client or the, the member of the medical aid that, that, that is losing out here. If you're saying that the medical aid, that the cost of the procedure remains the same, uh, yeah. but the medical aid is paying the doctors less. less. Yes. Uh, how do you then recoup that cost? So that is where the co-payment comes in. So unfortunately, uh, the member is the one being punished. Um, so we have to ask for co-payments in order to, we've already taken a bit of a knock last year. So we had a benefit cut from 225 to 200%. And we all said, that's all right. We can take the blow. We can make up for it. Um, and there was at least, uh, the benchmark tariff was increased according to inflation. Mm. So that was all right. But this year there was no benchmark in, um, benchmark tariff increase. Um, and they've cut the benefits to 150%. So unfortunately, just in order to make ends meet and to make this sustainable, uh, as a professional, we, we, we are forced to, to charge co-payments. Okay, talking about the co-payments then and the, and the sustainability, this, it is a bit of a nasty question, yeah. I'll admit, <laughs> but I've seen some people commenting on yeah. social media that they're on the side of the medical aids because, quote, doctors, etc., make too much money. Is this fair? <laughs> well, uh, that's my. I'll answer this. Yeah. Um, so no, so so David, greed is something that you will find across all walks of humanity. Mm. Unfortunately, that is the truth. I am not speaking on behalf of the greedy individuals. I am speaking on behalf of our society and our profession. Mm. Um, and this is what the point of this discussion is. We are members of the same society you live in. We buy food at the same shops. Our children go to the same schools. We have, we buy the same expensive petrol. Um, we members of the same medical aids. Mm. We've had the same tariff increases, um, uh, for the same benefit cuts. We are just trying to make ends meet and we would like to have a more open platform, more transparency from our side that we are not simply more expensive. We have already taken uh, the blow last year with the benefit cuts. We just want to be open and transparent um, and inform you. When you come for surgery, this is the scenario mm. you will be faced with. Okay. So, yeah, so the customer doesn't sort of end up with a surprise and a shock because we know that the anesthesia bill is, is a separate yes. account to, to, the, to hospital. the hospital and, yes. and all of those things. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so just to come in on that point, the, 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 the reason why we actually issued that press release was um, coming from the fact that we didn't want to burden the surgeons who see the patients first uh, to be communicating to the patients mm. about the 
uh, co-payment mm-hmm. that they need to do. And at the same time, because um, the hospital, or should I say, to save the medical aids, we don't get patients admitted the night before. They are admitted on the day of mm. surgery. We get to see some of these patients, except for the serious ones coming for heart operation, major uh, vessel uh, operations. Most of, the, of our patients are seen on the day of surgery. So we felt that it would be unwise and more stress added to the patient mm. while waiting for the operation to be told that there's going to be a co-payment. Yeah, yeah. So, not an ideal situation. So, so we, we thought um, after consulting with the members, and I must say that, you know, it's it's not all the members that agree uh, in terms of uh, should we go up or should we stay where we are. Mm. But the issue is that the majority of the members of our society um, decided that they are not going to drop to where um, the medical aid mm. wants to pay. And uh, obviously, we had to make a press release so that the members of the public are aware. And uh, each individual anesthetist, be it specialist or general practitioner with a diploma in anesthetic, they have their right to choose um, how much they're going to charge. Mm -hmm. Because as far as the uh, laws of competition in the country allow, um, no one can come to you and tell you you can only charge Mm -hmm. this much. So, so that that's where the the issue of um, coming out with a press release came. It's just to inform the public, and so that they know about it, and they don't get extra stress mm. right on the day of surgery. Okay, I've already taken us over time. So, finally, you've spoken about transparency and and communication, and obviously, it's not a it's it's not a simple question. Certainly, not an easy answer. But where to from here? How how does the situation get fixed? So I'll, I'll start and then maybe uh, my colleague Meandra will, will finish. So in terms of where we go from here, our appeal, especially as a society, is that we need more consultation. Um, we cannot uh, allow um, certain uh, industries to decide on matters that affect other people um, without a consultation. Mm-hmm. So from the perspective of the society, we're saying we are open we are ready to discuss, and we, be it with NAMAF or the medical aids. In fact, we've done so in, in the previous year because after the first cut last year, we decided to look at where is um, the whole system leaking from mm. and how do we mend it. And unfortunately, I must say that those of us who sat on some of these medical aid um, uh, advisory committees, we are quite disappointed to see it um, happened without the consultation. Mm. And all the inputs that were uh, given to the medical aids have just been rendered um, not valuable. So going forward, we'll say, let's consult, let's meet. And um, should they be a cut, it should be something that cuts across the board. Mm. Because I can I sh- tell you that the first cut that was done, the medical aids could not save more than a percentage. Mm. So it simply goes to say that there is somewhere where this money is going or leaking, and we have to sit together and say, how can we fix the problem? Yeah, so I'm going to just say something uh, that was from an interview with Mr. Irwin de Klerk, um, who is the legal representative of NPPF, and we've consulted him quite quite extensively. Mm-hmm. And uh, in his opinion, I think what's happening at the moment is NAMAF is being naughty, and they're running a monopoly, and they are advising medical aid solely. And in Eben's uh, words, uh, 
I think it's in an ideal world what should happen is there should be a, an appointment of a, a medical advisory board where everyone is equally represented. Mm. Every speciality is represented by a healthcare provider. The funds must be there. The fund regulators must be there. The, the, the healthcare regulators, the healthcare provider regulators must be there and even the members mm. must have representation. And they can sit around and give arguments as to how are we going to come up in Evans' word with an ethical tariff that is fair mm. um, and not unilateral and that is transparent. And I think for now, it's an, in an ideal world. A lot of work needs to be done to achieve that. Um, hopefully we can still in our lifetime. Um, or in our <laughs> professional span. Um, but I think also don't stop the conversation mm. um, um, and be transparent. Okay, so yeah, like we say, not an easy uh, no, fix. No, not at all. <laughs> but it but, is something that yeah. needs to be spoken about, as exactly. you say, because it affects every David, single member of a medical aid. It can yeah. affect me. I can be a patient tomorrow. Mm. My parents can be patients tomorrow. Mm. We are all victims of this situation um, and I hope we can remedy it. Thank you so much for coming in. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having us, David. The lead story was proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes. Insight. Advice. Impact.